Brandon's junior season ended with a runner-up finish at the NCAAs. And heading into his senior year at Penn, everyone assumed that he would be the number one ranked wrestler in the country. But then, Joe Williams from the University of Iowa announced that he was moving weight classes up to 167 pounds, which was Brandon's weight. We've got a two-time defending NCAA champion, Joe Williams, senior out of the University of Iowa, 28-0 this season. Joe was a dominant wrestler and would have been the favorite no matter what weight class he entered that year. But even with Williams in the weight, Brandon Slay had a solid senior season. He advanced all the way to the NCAA Finals for a second time and would have Joe Williams for his very last collegiate match and his last shot at winning the coveted NCAA title. Here is our Nike matchup. Brandon Slave from University of Pennsylvania, senior, the number three seed with a mark of 28 and four, taking on the top seed from Iowa, Joe Williams with a mark of 32 and oh. You know, going into that match with with Joe Williams, you know, I lost to him in the Midlands Finals. I lost to him in the dual meet. You know, Coach Rain again came to me and said, look, I know you may want to go out there and run up there on the stage because it's the NCAA Finals and, you know, stomp on the mat, want to own the mat and kind of allow your, you know, your, your energy to get going like that. But he said, I'm just encouraging him. Just, just, you know, hold really good position. You know he's not going to shoot on you a lot. He's going to hope you take some bad shots on him so he can counterattack. And he was really, really wise to say that. And I was really, really foolish not to listen to him. In one of the fastest takedowns I've ever seen, Joe Williams took advantage of Slay's aggressiveness and hit a beautiful knee pick. And if there's one thing to know about Joe Williams, it's that he doesn't surrender a lead. And that held true in this case, as he won the match 7-3. And I get second in sub-A's again, two years in a row. What that means is that my goal of being an NCAA champion would not come to fruition. Little did Brandon know that he had not seen the last of Joe Williams. Welcome to episode three of Slaying Satiev. Now after Brandon finished second in the country as a senior, he faced a decision. Retire and join his friends on Wall Street or push on and begin training for the 2000 Olympics. And so I thought, you know what? I've wrestled since I was six. I chose to go to Penn to get my education. You know, is it, is it time? You know, is it time to move on? But ultimately, I knew. I remember back when I told my grandmother when I was eight. I remember I said I want to be Olympic champion. And if I choose to man, move to Manhattan, that's not happening. And I think I would really regretted that decision. So I decided like to put all that on hold, move out to Olympic Training Center, and start this Olympic journey. And I knew I had about two years. Two years until the 2000 Summer Olympics. And so Brandon Slate packed his bags and moved to the Olympic Training Center. I mean, the Olympic Training Center was such a, a, a neat place to train. That's Kevin Jackson. He ran the wrestling program at the Olympic Training Center when Brandon arrived. Well, the wrestling program was designed for senior-level athletes to, um, to wrestle uh, once they finished college, right, to give them an environment that was built to... Uh, develop their freestyle skills uh, in order to help them accomplish international success. At the OTC, 
Every facet of a wrestler's training was covered. Lifting, conditioning, sports science, nutrition. It was the ideal place to train for an Olympic gold medal. When Brandon arrived, he moved in with roommate Carrie Bowmans. Introduce yourself to the listeners. Yeah, you bet, man. Uh, Carrie Bowmans, originally from Louisiana, uh, found my way somehow to the Olympic Training Center and became good friends with Brandon Slay and, uh, you know, lifelong friend, really. So, you and know. You guys lived together. What was like the room you guys lived in? Was your apartment? It was like a, yeah, it was like a little duplex, actually. So he had his room and his bathroom. I had my room and my bathroom, and we shared. We had a common area with the living room, and, and you know, it wasn't huge by any means, but it was, I mean, better than any college dorm I slept in, you know. <laughs> Twice a day, nearly every day, Carrie and Brandon made the walk from their duplex to the wrestling room at the Olympic Training Center. You walk through the Olympic Training Center and there's, you know, you have the shooting range here. You have, you know, um, the swimming area here. I mean, so it's every, with the rings everywhere, you know, the red, white, and blues all over the place. So, and then the Olympic rings are everywhere. So it's, it's kind of, everything's geared towards uh, keeping your mindset focused on what, why are you here? Why are you going to be, you know, what, what are you doing here? After spending five grueling years at the Wharton School of Business while juggling a Division I wrestling schedule, Brandon Slay welcomed the singular focus that the training center provided. When you're at the training center, life is wrestling. But at the same time, Brandon was struggling with confidence. Concerns that he expressed to his head coach, Kevin Jackson. Because when I started those first few months, I started having some doubts. And what my doubts were, when I came to him, I'm like, look, you know, coach, I never won the NCAA tournament. If I never became the best in the country, like, you know, how how am I going to become the best in the world? And he really quickly squashed those doubts. He was like, I never won the NCAA tournament. I never became NCAA champion. I'm like, I, I just assumed that he did, right? I was like, you never won the NCAA? He's like, no, I got second twice. Kevin Jackson who was a two-time world champ and an Olympic champ, the alpha male of USA Wrestling, listened to Brandon before offering advice. During one of those conversations, he actually brought that up. And I don't even I don't even think he knew that I hadn't been an NCAA champion. All he knew is Kevin Jackson was a world Olympic champion, and he assumed I was an NCAA champion. But when I told him that, I could see his eyes open up and him kind of, you know, shake his head and kind of, you know, grit it down and, and, and realize, you know, if Kevin Jackson can do it, I can do it too. He's like, Brandon, being an NCAA champion has nothing to do with being an Olympic champion. You need to get that out of your head right now. <laughs> it's like, okay, I'll get that out of my head right now. And, um, and I think he washed away all of those you know, doubts from not being an NCAA champion and really started believing uh, in his abilities, in his opportunity. And I think that was just really important for me because I think that was holding me back a little bit, right? So Kevin Jackson was just important to get that negativity on my head. And then once that was out of my head and out of my heart, then I could really focus, you know, those two years. With Brandon's mind free of those nagging thoughts for the time being, he went to work. You know, Brandon Slade actually improved and got better as fast as any other athlete I've ever been around. I mean, the, the jumps he made were, were incredible. Under KJ's tutelage, Brandon was growing in leaps and bounds. But during the 1999 season, he managed just a sixth-place finish at the World Trials. But as 1999 turned to 2000, Slay was optimistic that he could cash in on his childhood dream of becoming an Olympic gold medalist. 
A dream that started way back in 1984 when Brandon and his grandmother watched the great Dave Schultz win a medal of his own. Now before Brandon could focus in on the Olympics, he had to qualify for Team USA. And that year, it was a two-step qualification process. First, he'd have to place at the U.S. Senior Nationals, which were held in April, and then win the Olympic trials later that June. The winner of the trials was guaranteed to represent Team USA at the Olympic Games. Brandon's biggest threat to making the Olympic team was none other than his college nemesis, Joe Williams. Joe Williams! Joe Williams is unbeatable. He has a blast double leg that'll throw you into next year. I mean, Joe's one of the best wrestlers we've ever had. That's Brandon's coach, Kevin Jackson, again. Joe had dominated, you know, and Joe was looking really good and looking like the man, too, to make that Olympic team, right? As much as I believed in, in Brandon at that time, Joe Williams was the man. Joe Williams was such a favorite to make the Olympic team that McDonald's put him in a commercial with other Olympic hopefuls. And for Brandon, Joe was 4-0 against him. Without Slay, so much as scoring a takedown in any of those matches. I would describe him as extremely explosive. Dangerous to shoot on because I think he was one of the best counterattackers of all time. So if you if you didn't shoot 100 miles an hour on him, shoot to kill, that if you kind of sh- took a half shot, then you were getting taken down. <laughs> so what you had to learn against Joe Williams, either you shot with everything you had or you really shouldn't be shooting at all. In the months leading up to the U.S. Nationals, KJ and Brandon developed a game plan to beat Joe Williams. And most every single time he took me down was his right hand to my left leg, almost every single time. So I knew that for me to beat him, I could not let his right hand attack my left leg. So I needed to make sure I shut that down and defended that. So I visualized when I circled right, I led my right leg, and when I circled left, I led my right leg. So I visualized that, I visualized hoping I could get him to reach for me so I could double leg him. I visualized gut wrenching him. Anytime I got on top that I was gonna squeeze him, I kind of visualized him like not being able to breathe and just like making noise with so much pain and me turning him. So I, I put myself in that environment and then time, was, time now was to, to fly out to Las Vegas and make this happen. Over two nights in April of 2000, Brandon Slay and the rest of the U.S.'s best wrestlers competed at the U.S. National Championships for a spot in the Olympic trials. The stakes couldn't have been higher because that year, winning the nationals meant that you had a bye to the Olympic trial finals. Brandon Slay arrived in Vegas, checked into his hotel, and began preparing for the battles of his lifetime. I remember the arena distinctly because it was the same one we wrestled in 1999. It was that convention center at the Las Vegas Hilton, which means there's this big open industrial area, concrete floors, they rolled all these mats out. You know, there's whatever, 20 mats, they're spread out all over the place. I knew that that path of staying at the Hilton, you know, walking past, you know, the Japanese steakhouse, (laughs) on through those hallways, taking the escalator up. I knew the path that I was gonna have to take. The night before the tournament started, the seeds were announced. Interesting enough, I end up being the number seven seed. The seventh seed, that means that six guys were projected to finish higher than Brandon. Now, the crazy thing is, it was probably accurate based on how Brandon was wrestling at that time. But that didn't stop his friends and coaches from taking the seventh seed 
as a sign of disrespect. Here's Brandon's high school coach, Johnny Cobb, who made the trip to Vegas to watch his favorite son. Well, I, I was kind of along the lines of, you know, seventh? Okay, we'll see about that. You know, I was kind of along the Brandon Slave fan type, you know, deal. So, man, seventh, he, he's going to do better than that, I can promise you. The next day, wrestling got underway. After cruising through the early rounds, Brandon knocked off two guys who he had previously never beat. Sean Bormet, who's the head coach at the University of Michigan, and Steve Marinetti, a former NCAA champ. Brandon's college teammate, Clint Motter, was in the stands watching. He was incredibly relaxed, and he, his entire demeanor had changed. And I think he had grown physically, he had grown physically, mentally, and emotionally to that point to allow him to get to a spot spiritually where he was able to relax and compete with that relaxed intensity. I think that made all the difference in the world. Watching him compete in that manner, he was a different person to me. After a full day of wrestling, Brandon had advanced to the finals of the U.S. Nationals, where a win there would put him in the finals of the Olympic trials. But standing in his way was Joe Williams. When he hit the finals with Williams, of course, everybody's going, damn, okay, buddy. Now's time. If you got that confidence level in there, let it, let it shine because here we go. This is it. As the finals approached, Joe Williams' coach, Dan Gable, was feeling confident. I don't know if I took Brandon Slave serious enough at that time. Just because when you get a guy that just all of a sudden's there and hasn't been there a lot, you might just think, oh, you got lucky or something. Was it luck? Or had Brandon Slay jumped levels under KJ's tutelage? Let's find out, because the U.S. Nationals were about to begin. By Jeff Blatnick and Randy Lewis, I'm Larry Nugent. You're looking at Joe Williams in the red, going up against Brandon Slay in the blue, and the action goes off the mat to the edge of the platform. As Brandon and Joe walk back to the center, I gotta say, folks, I've never seen Slay this jack before. His traps are nearly touching his ears, and then you have Joe Williams, chiseled as always, but a little bit more subdued with his patent black volleyball knee pad and black ASICs. Behind the wrestlers hung a giant USA flag, over a couple thousand diehard fans who had gathered to watch the finals. As action resumed, Slay held good position, but kept his distance. Again, I knew I just could not let his right hand touch my left leg, so if anybody watches that match, they'll watch me with our circle right or left. My right leg is always forward, and I think it started frustrating him a little bit because I think he kind of tried to attack my left leg. I think he thought that was going to come to him, and I think he started getting a little frustrated. He started kind of forcing some shots, which put me in a situation on the edge. I got in a front, front headlock on him, and I saw, like, oh, well, there's the edge. I've got it tight right now. Um, it's worth the risk. And so it took about a second or so to have that thought, and so – I went as hard as I could to the left, like a gut wrench. Slay is quick, but probably not quite as quick, but he's very strong. And there's oh, a nice front head. Oh, front great headlock. move. He and exposes Williams back and scores on the edge of the mat. A clean two-point exposure for Brandon Slay. Dan Gable, Joe Williams' coach, was standing just a few feet away as Slay hit his front headlock and exposed Williams for two. I think a couple things there. One thing is the edge of the mat. Probably didn't think anything was going to happen. Caught him off guard. Smart tactic by, by Slay. After the wrestlers went out of bounds, both Joe and Brandon walked back to the center with Brandon leading 2-0. to zero. I'd never been ahead of him like that. 
and my whole entire, I, you know, I was, I was 0-4 against him. I never had a beginning lead. And so now Joe Williams is going to have to kind of come at me a little bit more. Well, Brandon Slay hails from Amarillo, Texas, not too far from Dallas. And he would love to be the number one wrestler when that time comes around for the Olympic trials. With just 20 seconds gone from the second period, the next point was crucial. Three Olympic teams getting a gold and a silver medal. Oh, oh my! Brandon Slay once again with a leg attack, driving Williams out of bounds. At least one. The, the referee has signaled three points for Brandon, and they give him three. From his feet to his back, Brandon Slay... Looking like a Texas linebacker, Brandon Slay hits a blast double on Joe, lifts him off his feet, and scores three points to take a 5-0 lead. He started reaching more... I was able to snap his head, and that hand came forward, and I was able to post him, and I was able to hit, you know, one of my favorite shots was a snap post double. I hit him, but he's not easy to take down. I didn't blow him off his feet immediately, as I just kept running, 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 and we actually ended up, we flew off the mat, um, we landed, we almost went off the stage onto the floor. Um, I remember seeing Kevin Jackson actually standing right there. I think he was like, dang. I think he was thinking like, Slade just, just three-pointed Williams, right? Here's KJ who was standing Matt's side. I've never seen anybody score as many points on, on Joe and dominate him in the way Brandon dominated him at that national championship. Well, I think it shocked the crowd here, too. Joe Williams could be a huge upset. so dominant. It, it, it stands to be a huge upset. But just when things were going so well for Brandon, Joe Williams turned up the heat. He scored three quick points, and then the refs put Slay down for passivity, giving Joe Williams one last chance to turn Slay. Five to three. Well, 16 was, seconds left. It was five nothing with 42 seconds left, and Williams has closed it to five three with an opportunity to turn him and get to a tie. Let's see what he can do. Ten seconds. Looking to secure a hold. Joe Williams has the hips locked out. He's close, but he's not going to get it. And this is a major upset. Time runs out on Joe Williams and Brandon Brandon Slade, Slade, the number seven seed, who'd never beaten Joe Williams, wins the Olympic Trials ranking tournament, the national tournament. Brandon, congratulations. Great job beating Joe. How does this feel going into the Olympic Trials? This feels fabulous. Everything's working out the way that I envisioned it and I planned it. I've lost to Joe, I think, four times before this, and and, uh, I'll trade this win for all four of those losses. I lost to him in NCAA finals, but I'd rather beat him here in the senior nationals and lose there. So I'm excited, and I'm, I think the way he's paid for me to, to make the Olympic team back in my hometown, Dallas, Texas. So it's working out perfectly. By virtue of that win, Brandon Slay became the first Texan to win the U.S. Nationals and receive the Outstanding Wrestler Award. Kevin Jackson couldn't have been prouder. You think about the mental side of it, right? If, if Brandon would have thought about the collegiate years, he's thinking Joe Williams is a three-time NCAA champion. I didn't win one. Obviously, he had washed those, those thoughts away. It had been just two years since Brandon and KJ had been working together at the OTC. So for him to make the finals and then for him to, to beat Joe, I, that, that surprised a little bit of everybody. Again, you know, Joe had all the tools. He had all the weapons. He had, he had the pedigree, right, that says he's the next guy. He's going to not only make a world team, Olympic team, he's going he's gonna to win some titles for us. And so, um, so, yeah, it was definitely a surprise. Not to me, not to Brandon. Brandon's roommate, Kerry Bowmans, was in the stands watching. He, too, had won a Nationals that year, meaning that both Brandon and Kerry Bowmans 
would be heading into the Olympic trials as the number one seeds. Quite honestly, what I remember the most is the just the finals and you know winning it and then watching Slay win it and I was just like, I mean, elated, you know, just like wow, man, you know, first first step, that was it. We got the first step done, you know, moving on next one. So we were we were both very excited, but we knew that you know the the ultimate goal was just a short short way around the corner. The ultimate goal was the Olympic trials. They took place just six weeks after the U.S. Senior Nationals. And unlike other countries where coaches have discretion as to who makes the team, the United States is one of the few places where the winner of the Olympic trials is on the Olympic team, no questions asked. As if the stakes couldn't get high enough already, the Olympic trials were held in Dallas, Texas, and Slay was the only Texan in the tournament. Johnny Cobb made sure that the Lone Star State showed up well. If you look at that crowd in Texas, Lone Star State, baby, you know, but I mean, it was a big deal. I mean, if that was a full house, and there's people, you know, guys in the stands with slay written on their chest, you know, and all that stuff. I mean, everybody, Am- Amarillo was empty. <laughs> You know, nobody left in town. But, uh, man, no, the energy there in Texas was slay. Texas boy in the finals to make a team, it was incredible. It was incredible. And and it, like I said, we were all looking forward to the uh, Joe Williams rematch, you know, and going, you know, man, that's going to be something. At the Olympic trials, one wrestler's in the finals, and the rest of the field competes in a mini-tournament to name the second finalist. Even though Brandon beat Joe at the Nationals, everyone assumed that the great Joe Williams would find a way to make the finals of the Olympic trials. Even still, Johnny Cobb was feeling confident about his wrestler. Wrestlers have an inherited warrior mentality in them. You know, it's on. Let's go get it. Let's get it done. And I enjoy this battle. And let's go battle. You know, and he's just inherited that like all the good ones have. As the pro Texas crowd was filtering into Section 104, Brandon Slate took his seat next to Kerry Bowman's. I think you go through the whole gamut of feelings and emotions and, and knowing that where you're at in the arena you're in and where, how close you are to something you wanted for so long and you worked so hard to get. As Brandon's weight class took the mat, the big question was, who would he wrestle in the finals? Here's Brandon. If I would have bet, which I wasn't betting, but if I would have bet, I thought, well, Joe Williams. I mean, there's probably like a 90% chance he'll come through. But then, Joe Williams was involved in the upset of the tournament when he lost to Brian Dolph. And Dolph ends up beating him, upsetting him. And so then it was kind of like, I don't think the crowd understood what was about to take place, but I understood that, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to wrestle a mentor, a best friend, my college coach, to make the Olympic team. Brian Dolph had been Brandon Slade's assistant coach at the University of Pennsylvania. Okay, my name is Brian Dolph. Uh, I graduated from Indiana University in 1990, and I was a three-time All-American and a national champ. 
for Indiana in 1990. That's Brian Dolph. We connected over a Zoom call a few weeks back. Now, after his career at the University of Indiana ended, Roger Reyna, the head coach at Penn, called Dolph and offered him a job. He was an assistant coach for us um, for nine years at Penn and an incredible contributor to our program, you know, not only with Brandon, but, you know, a lot of all our, our All-Americans, a lot of our culture development. Brian, you know, was a big part of that. But even while Brian was coaching, he was still a top contender to make the 1996 Olympic team. Here's Roger again. That was the year where uh, Dave Schultz was killed and Brian and Dave were very close. And when that happened in January of 96, um, Brian did not compete in the same way after that. He didn't have a very good trials. Um, I just don't think his head and his heart was in the, you know, together. And um, having beaten all the top competitors um, in the first half of the season, didn't, didn't come close to making the team. And then Brian retired. He retired, but he never let go of his dream. And in the years leading up to 2000, Dolph started training and was ready to take out any of the top guys at a moment's notice. You see, Dolph was a kind of wrestler who was just as likely to choke you out in a front headlock as he was to break your nose with a crossface. And he instilled those hard nose tough wrestling tactics to his pupil, Brandon Slay. I asked Roger what the relationship between Slay and Dolph was like. Like brothers, like family, fierce competitors in this room right here where I'm sitting, bloodbath, wars, practice room wars, and shake hands and break bread together afterwards. Throughout the trials, Coach Reyna cornered Brian Dolph and was planning on cornering Brandon Slay. But now, he had to decide which wrestler he was going to coach in the finals. My heart was breaking in two different ways. And I had cornered, you know, both of those guys, you know, leading up to the, to the finals. I'm like, now what do I do? You know, and we had had a, you know, kind of a game plan um, the night before, you know, matches. We'd, you know, meet up in a hotel room and, you know, talk through the upcoming opponent. Um, now these two guys are facing each other and I'm kind of like, well, now what do I do? You know, like I didn't have a script for that. And, um, I guess what I'm supposed to do is exactly what we always do, right? Go to one of them, you know, here's how, you know, kind of game plan against this opponent and we talk through it and go to the other now, but I'm talking about beating their mm -hmm. teammate. Um, but I thought that was fair and it was consistent with what we had done, you know, in their experience as an athlete. So I think I thought that consistency was something that should be honored. So, so that's what we did. And then, you know, I, I chose to not sit in, you know, either of the guy's corners and just kind of sit off to the side and, and watch it unfold. Brandon's teammate, Clint Motter, one of the few people who truly understood just how close Dolphin Slay were, was also in the arena that night. It was a bittersweet. I mean, it was wonderful to see both of them get to that level. I mean, frankly, like when I watched those matches in the arena, I was sitting I think I was sitting by myself, Frank, but, you know, for most of them. It was hard to watch. Inside the belly of the arena, Slay sat on the floor in the warm-up area and laced up his black and blue Asics. He had just 60 minutes until his match with Brian Dolph. Well, I would, I would say once, once I saw that I was going to have to wrestle him, I started doing my best to just visualize him as just a body in front of me and not think anything about our past. Like I was doing my best to just destroy all of those thoughts and just solely focus on, he's just going to be a guy, 
you know, with tattoos of the blue single in front of me. With just 10 minutes before match time, Slade was in the tunnel pacing as he continued to distance himself from his feelings for Brian Dolph. Even though he was my friend, like I was willing to run him off the stage um, into a clock or whatever it took. Like, I mean, I was willing to, you know, if, 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 his, if his ribs were really, really sore already, like I had no problem squeezing them and breaking a rib if that's what it took to win. It sounds ruthless, folks, but that's what it takes at this level. And finally, Dolphin Slay were on the mat for match one in a best of three series. Brandon's former teammate, Clint Motter, was watching from the stands. I had never seen Brian compete with that level of intensity. And, you know, the first couple of minutes of that match, you talk about pressure and underhooks and snaps. I mean, he just came out and he, he was very intense. Uh, and you had to be ready. You had to be ready and capable of, of weathering that intensity. After the first period ended scoreless, Brandon Slate picked up a point off the clinch. So he got the point, and, uh, and then I had to kind of overextend myself to try to score another point, and he capitalized, ended up winning the 3-1. to one. That was Brian Dolph. Here's Slay. I think I end up I end up winning, getting a push-pull punch. I ran a front headlock on him and scored. It was a pretty close match. With match one in the books, Brandon Slay was just one win away from qualifying for the Olympic team. After a 45-minute break, he and Dolph were back on the mat for the second match in the best of three series. And he was coming at me harder than he came at me the first match. And he actually like he actually dug double underhooks and he got a takedown against me. So he's getting some momentum. He's coming at me harder now. So I knew that if I was going to win this match, I was going to have to answer. In Arena in Dallas, Texas, deciding the eight freestyle wrestlers and the eight Greco-Roman wrestlers. This is all freestyle. Whoa. It's Almost point. got some fans involved in this one, but it is going to be a point. And it will be for Brandon Slade. I got to a single leg on him. I got a grip on the back of his kind of hamstring. I had a handle. And again, I just run, 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 run. I just ran him as hard as I could, you know, out of bounds. And once we got out of bounds, again, I gave him a good shove just to, like, be clear. Like, I just took this shot. I just shot this guy out of bounds. Like, that's my point. That's the point I need. And the refs looked at each other and they, you know, they gave the point. With just 15 seconds left, Brandon was leading 3-1. to one. Man, it's not going to happen. Brandon Slay is going to get it done. We're going to hear the crowd at the left here. Brandon Slay will become an Olympian for the USA in freestyle at 167 pounds. And I just, I just remember every ounce and muscle in my body, I just like thrusted both of my fists like towards the ceiling of Reunion Arena, flexed every part of my body and just screamed out. And I, I couldn't recreate that right now if I tried. Standing just a few feet away was a defeated Brian Dolph. He approached Slay, and as Clint Mata recalls it, I just remember Brian giving him a hug and a kiss at the end of the match. I'm, I'm sure he, I don't know exactly what he said to him, but I'm sure he said he loved him. And uh, yeah, that, was, that was a special moment. Here's Dolph's side of it. It was bittersweet. I mean, I gave, gave him a hug and a kiss after the match. And when I walked off the match, all disappointed, he gave me praise. And so it was the whole time, you know, it was a very special time. You know, it's funny because Roger Reyna was one of my best friends in the world and Coach Brandon. And so he said, if you heard something after that second match, if you heard something, snap. In that Coliseum, it was my heart. 
as Brandon Slay walked off the podium to capture his Olympic Trials champion plaque. He was now the first Texan to ever qualify for the Olympics in wrestling. Later that night, Slay, Kerry Bowmans, Roger Reyna, Johnny Cobb, and the rest of his friends and family celebrated the victory. It was a true underdog story that no one could have predicted. The next day, Brandon Slay awoke as the Olympian for Team USA and attended his first meeting as an Olympian. We have a meeting of the Olympic team. So it's clearly Sammy Henson, Terry Brands, Kerry Colott, Lincoln McElravey. We got to remember this was 21 years ago. Bruce you know, gave me two VHS tapes with athletic tape around it. Bruce is Bruce Burnett, one of the Olympic coaches. Right. This says, you know, 76 kilo. And then after Zoe, he wrote Slay. So he gives me those two VHS copies and said, look, these are all the guys. They're going to be in your weight class in Sydney. Then it's time to start watching them, preparing for them. As Slay popped those tapes in a VHS player, he saw the greatest wrestler the world's ever known. Bovisar Satiev, who would be waiting for Slay in Sydney at the Olympics. Would Slay be ready? Let's find out in episode four. From Wrestling Changed My Life, this is Slang Satiev. If you'd like to help us spread the word, please leave a review and tell your friends about this episode. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and every major listening app you can think of. If you're listening on your smartphone, tap or swipe on the cover art of this podcast. You'll find episode show notes and offers from our sponsor, Spartan Combat. Please support our show by supporting them at SpartanCombat.com. Slang Satiev was written, edited, and produced by me, Ryan Warner. Story consulting by Raleigh Peterkin. Custom music by Gary Lanelli. Assistant producer, Lake Waters. And business manager, Tanner Warner. Without you folks, this episode would not be possible, so thank you. And last but not least, a huge thank you to Brandon Slay and everyone who participated in this story. Slang Sativa was produced by Wrestling Changed My Life. For all information about this series, please go to WrestlingChangeMyLife.com. Peace!